0: I'm really not for adults bringing gloves to the ballpark. It's a really tough look. Not only does it look really stupid, but the odds of you catching a baseball are extremely low that from a practical standpoint, just even carrying it around all night to look like a big idiot is not exactly something I would say I endorse. In fact, when I went to the Jays Yankees game the other night and we're sitting in a completely separate section from left field, um, Pete Walker and I noted how many Yankees fans that were adults were bringing gloves. And it looked pretty comical. When you're wearing a baseball jersey and you bring a baseball glove to a baseball game and you're an adult. Those of us that are not in uniform do not exactly think you look sweet. I think it's reasonable to say. Yesterday is an exception, right? If you are in the outfield, You are bringing a baseball glove. In fact, I actually think that it's negligence to not bring the glove, right? Like you're going and sitting in the Aaron judge section, 61, 62 are on the table and you have to bring a baseball glove. If if I showed up with my buddies to that and I didn't have a glove and, or one of them didn't, I'd be berating them the entire time. Like, what, what are you doing here? We got to maximize the odds. Okay. Let's make sure your hand is not as good as a glove. If it was, then they wouldn't be playing with gloves right now on the field. So to wear a glove. To see the baseball, to get underneath it, <laughs> and to drop it into the bullpen, I would never sleep again. Missed it? by That much? I, I, I'm, I'm never sleeping again. The word, gee, I tell you the part that I actually felt sick is for this guy, because there's two guys. One guy is amazingly named Frankie Lasagna, and that has been revealed to the public, but Frankie Lasagna, you were never really a part of this. If anything... Your only part that you played was kind of maybe causing that other guy to drop it, which I would say I'm this type of person. I'd rather the person next to me drop it than catch it and maybe the second close. So, like, that's fine. I'm petty like that. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't want, if it's either me or nobody, okay? If I'm there that night with a baseball glove, that's what I want. It's me or nobody. I don't care about you. The person next to me? Does that love thy neighbor? No! I love you enough to not cause you harm. To mind my language in the seats? Basic decorum is what you are promised. And even when that ball goes up, it's not. Like, elbows are flying, okay? I thought that those people that went for that ball, it was a whole hell of a lot of politeness. But the guy that gets the... Baseball on the glove, has it, and then turns around and throws. I watched the clip a hundred times. He turns around and he throws the glove. He's so, and, and it's not even like he thought about, he's not reacting in any way. It's pure. It's just pure. It's a pure bad beat. We've all been there. Whether it was on the river at a poker table, whether it was the last leg of a parlay because some idiot quarterback got lucky on a pass interference that shattered your day. Whether it was a garbage time three-point heave that covered a spread, we've all been where that guy's been. Never for millions of dollars unless you're like, what's that guy's name? Matt the Mattress Man? Mac the Mattress Man? Mattress Mac? Mattress Matt? Damn it. I should have, had, I should have this one. I should, I should know that one. Anyway, this poor soul, too. All I could think of was, could someone please go over there and put him out of his misery? You know, like somebody – you couldn't even buy him a beer. You couldn't buy him a beer because alcohol sales were done. He's sitting there, and he's trapped. He's trapped. He's trapped because Aaron Judge is going to get another AB. And could you have imagined had he felt so sick that he left, and then it gets hit right there the next home run? Amazing. Amazing. He just had to sit there. I felt so bad for a man. I felt so bad. But also, this is a PSA for all sports gamblers out there. You know how after – the Raptors won a championship. It was that grace period of, Hey, don't complain about anything. All right. Just won a championship. No complaints. We're heading into this weekend of NFL gambling, Pot of complaints, zero complaints. There is absolutely no way that you can have a bad beat this weekend and even bring it up with anybody. This is this guy's time, okay? This is the guy that's next to Frankie Lasagna. This is all about him. He's the only person in, I'm going to say the world, okay? There's no, I don't even care. I don't even care because if you're rich, you're irrelevant anyways. You know, if you're somebody that's putting down the Floyd Mayweather bets and you're gambling, like, this doesn't affect you. This is fine. That's play money. That's my version of $100 to you. So, no, you don't get to complain either. That guy, this is his time. And as I tweeted yesterday, and again, you can get at me anytime during the show, at JD Bunkus on social media, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. As I tweeted yesterday, he now goes down in the pantheon of most famous Toronto sports fans. And I know, so apparently this guy didn't want to talk to the media yesterday. No, duh. Like, he has a soul. I can't imagine even being the person that approached. I know it's your job to ask this guy to talk, but... This is a situation where it's like when Joe Rogan talked to Daniel Cormier after he got head kicked by Jon Jones. You're like, don't do it yet. <laughs> Just give him, give him a day. <laughs> you know, give, give Daniel Cormier of sports betting a day. Joe, I wanted to ask you, you, did you find out how much this baseball is worth? Because people were getting in the mentions about how it's not the $2 million ball. I know that. The, the 62 ball, some people are saying it's going to go for like 4000000 bucks. million. They're saying it's going to go up, up, up. How much how much is this baseball estimated to be worth?
1: So per New York Times, yeah. uh, Ken Golden, who's the executive chairman and founder of Golden Auctions, who um often deal with stuff like this, memorabilia like yeah, this. Okay, Golden he auctions. predicted the sixty-first home run ball yeah. to be worth between two fifty and three fifty thousand dollars. Oh, that's it? That that's it. This is according to him. And uh, then he predicted the sixty-second was gonna be worth 750 to 1.25 million. Oh, yeah, this guy's
0: off. I you feel like what? it's going to be more stinks. than that. You know what? I feel like
1: it's going to be more than that.
0: The, no offense to this guy. He's he's like, yeah. He's he's trying to buy the ball. He,
1: he's, <laughs> he's lowballing it. He's literally
0: lowballing. He's, he's like, lowballing yeah, it. It's only worth like, I don't know. That's a classic. This guy, have you ever seen the what's that show called? Um the Pawn Stars. Pawn Stars. They're always like, yeah. you bring them stuff in, they're like, I don't know, man. This is worth like $10.
1: Well, they always do the interview and they're like, yeah, this is going to be like 100 bucks. Yeah. They bring it in it's like, yeah, I'll give you seven <laughs> And they're like, what? <laughs> no, but they
0: always lowball too because they yeah. need to make a profit. It's yeah. like, have you, ever, have you ever brought good tickets to a scalper just to see? Anybody behind the glass, you never done that? I have not. Known. Okay. I, I've done that. Because I've gotten some good tickets in my lifetime to big events. And every once in a while, I'll see the scalper and I'll just want to chop it up. No, chop it up with the guy with the. You didn't get that vintage jacket in a vintage jacket store like Alex Wong or Alish Forfar. Is this? You've had this one for a solid thirty. You know, this is a, a thirty-piece jacket. Um, they're always like, those tickets, hmm, ten dollars. <laughs> really. Um, $10? We'll, yeah. 10? Oh, Raptors championship courtside. And they're like, yeah, it's just, no, people don't really want to buy those Maybe tickets. 15. That's what they always say 15. about nice tickets. They're like, people don't, people don't really want those tickets. They're too, they're too expensive. And you go, okay, I, I could see how a sucker buys this argument, but you will buy them. Oh, just at this astronomically low rate. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Even still 250 grand. I'm going to say that's the minimum for this for, baseball. For
1: the 61st one. Yeah. For
0: this baseball. 250 grand. It's yep. right there. You go to the game. The, The other part of this too. And the drop is part of the story, but it's such a sad story that you can just think this is your identity now. <laughs> like, that's who you are. It doesn't matter what else you accomplish. You got to cure cancer. Like you got you to gotta, you gotta go to Mars. Like that's the only way for this guy to ever escape the hell. And even when he's there, right, even his Wikipedia page, it's like um,
1: the insert The line will name, always be there. Yeah,
0: no, it goes insert name is the first man to walk on Mars. Dot. He traveled to Mars after needing to escape Earth <laughs> because he dropped Aaron Judge's 61st home run ball. Oh, nightmare. Anyways, shout out to that guy. I'm so sorry. Do You have more information on this uh, guy?
1: Yeah. Well, I just have the for reference. The um mm-hmm. and the reason. So when I was reading this New York Times thing, mm-hmm. uh, when I saw the projections, I'm like, it's a little bit low because back in 2007, Barry Bonds, mm-hmm. uh, 756th home run ball. Was sold for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and that was fifteen years ago. No, this ball is worth way more. And that's that's what I so I read it, and I was yeah. like, "That's weird. Why would it be worth the same amount as fifteen years ago?" You lead ago? with that,
0: Joe. You lead with that one. This okay, guy, okay. dude, this guy is legitimately trying to steal that baseball. Yeah, <laughs> like he is. this guy, this guy's diamond heisting this. Like he, he's I put gotta, security around it because arrest.
1: tonight he's gonna come from the ceiling. You know yeah. the whole money heist thing.
0: If this if this baseball goes. Well, missing from Aaron Judges House would be tough. Um, by the way, tried to get Matt Bushman on. Asked him to come on, didn't want to do it. Um he had to have had a split second where when he grabbed that baseball, he had to at least do the what would happen if I did ask for something? You know, just just some um, just he's walking that over to the Yankee staff or whoever it is that he handed the ball off to. There had to be just a moment where he played out different scenarios of, of what he could get. I refuse to believe otherwise. I don't think that anybody's that virtuous. I think he, if, if there was no baseball codes or backlash, that guy is 100% asking for something. I felt sorry for Matt Bushman, too. <laughs> I felt sorry. His wife had a great tweet. She was like, We're retiring hate to break this to you. He's giving that baseball away. Um, okay, so that's the bad beat of the day. Just absolutely horrific. The other, I, I've got two quick things I want to do. Then I'm going to bring in Luke Fox, and I, I want to go over a bunch of Leafs training camp stories. Leafs getting beat up at training camp. Jordy Ben gets hurt yesterday. Dahlstrom, but that's not really anything of note. All of a sudden, there's just jobs up for grabs. Sheldon Keefe's basically pleading for Rasmus Sandin to come back. Don't look at what the Leafs' rejected lines are going to be for opening night if you want to feel good about being a Leafs fan. That's all I got to say, okay? Focus on stories like, hey, Mitch Marner added 10 pounds. That's probably good. Fine. Um, two quick things. Number one, um, I'm not going to play the clip. Josh, I'm just going to say it. Uh, Roger Maris Jr., he goes to every one of these games. He's waiting. He's, he's trapped in purgatory of having to watch Aaron Judge break uh, his dad's record. He's just waiting, waiting, waiting. He's going to wait for 62. But – He's, he's back Aaron judge. He's a big Aaron judge guy. He's saying things like Aaron judge is clean. Aaron judge is a Yankee. This shouldn't just be the American league record. This should be the home run record. And he went so far as to say, major league baseball should do something about it. I, obviously that's going to be his position, right? Because this guy would have been his, I bet you it would affected his, his whole family when the, they lost the home run record and they lost it the way that they did. That's never going to happen. And this is why, okay, I hadn't really considered this until last night, but then it really, it started to piss me off as I was going to bed last night. And it's kind of an obvious take, but it is the take. Aaron Judge's home run chase was a Yankee story. I said that over and over and over again this week, right? I kept saying it's not a baseball story. It's not a baseball story, but I never really examined what that meant. I just meant it more like, yeah, only Yankees fans really care. And then unless it's happening at your ballpark and you happen to go down, but now that judge is going for 62, do you really think Jays fans are going to keep watching him take those lead off ABs? Hell no. You're going to just watch the highlight and go, that's cool. That's good for him. I thought Jays fans were super respectful of the moment, by the way. It was cool. I wouldn't have done that. Um, out of booed. I was so upset when Mesa gave it up. So choked. I was <laughs> so choked. I, I just started texting friends like, I'll never forgive Mesa for this. This is his Wikipedia page. Number one. Should have walked judge. That's all it says. That's all it says. Move it, keep it moving, keep it moving. Even if he wins the World Series. But he's gonna hit 62, 63 home runs. And that's gonna be closest we're gonna get for a while, probably. Unless they start juicing the baseballs or they taint it in some other way. Or the Blue Jays get to play a full season down in Buffalo again. You know, they move the team down there. Or where was the 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 Dunedin complex that was even more of a bandbox? We're never seeing 73. We're never seeing 74. We're not even probably going to see 70. And this is the real story of the home run guys. This is the real story of Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire is you're robbing baseball fans of the opportunity to watch the most fun thing that can happen in the sport, which is a chase for the single season home run record. Because I wanted to discuss this today. And I, I I might do this with some people down the line, but if you could pick one record to see get broken in your lifetime that's a single-season record, I think you'd have to pick home runs. Home runs is number one. And I, I didn't care about Judge. I don't care that it's 61. I don't care about Roger Maris. I would have cared if this was the record record. Baseball would have cared. It would have had a renaissance moment. And we're just never going to get it. And it's not even on Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds alone. It's on baseball too, right? Because they knew about these guys. They knew they were juicing. They didn't make it about the rules. They skirted it. They wanted the publicity at the time. They needed to, just, quote unquote, save baseball is the way that so many people put it. But we'll never get to see that. We'll never get to see it. 73. Coolest record you can have in all of sports. It's not NHL goals. It's not most points in an NBA regular season. I don't even know who has that. Like I, I'm, sure, Wilt, I'm sure it's Wilt. Kareem? No. I, I'm, who, who even knows? I've been watching basketball my whole life. I care about sport. My, both of my parents basketball coaches. I have no idea who has that record. No idea. What, what is even close to home runs? Nothing. NHL goals. If you're from this country. What else? Nothing. Who is the home run king? single season who had a year where they hit the most bombs sexiest record in sports and we're never going to get to see it and it's not like I said it's not just those guys fault but that's what stuck with me last night was how that should have been an all-time sports memory was watching Aaron Judge tie that that should have been something completely different than what it was and it wasn't and that's why I get why Maris's kid was going to be pissed off so thanks for that realization cheaters, Aaron judge, Yankees, baseball, everything is that I'm going to go my whole life without seeing somebody even in the chase for this outside of the first, you know, two weeks of the season when people start doing those tweets, Hey, he's projected to hit 162 home runs. You go, thanks. Thank you for that tweet. Um, Okay. Here's a stat that actually matters. Last thing. Jays are 72 and 42 in games where their top four guys pitch. And that's with a season where Barrios has obviously been well below what Blue Jays fans expected him to be. But I I thought it's fair to put him and Ross Stripling in together because Stripling has been way better than anybody anticipated he was going to be. 72, 42 in games where those top four guys pitch. In the games where they don't. In the games where those guys do not pitch. 15 and 26. 15 and 26. By the way, that's not even a fair statistic because Hunjin Ryu owns four of those wins. So really, they've won 11 games. They've won 11 games when it hasn't been those five guys this season. And when Kikuchi's won his games, his last six wins as a starter, Jay scored 32 runs. (laughs) They mashed. They're two and seven now in Mitch White games. And this reminds me of... When the Leafs didn't have a backup goaltender is you only really realize the impact of that throughout the course of a regular season. Once you have it in its entirety and you look back and you go, why did the Yankees clinch? Oh, they clinched here because they had a torrid start to their season. But when they came back down to earth, why were they not catchable? Well, they weren't catchable because you went 15 and 26. With your number five guy and i'm sure that somebody blake murphy i could probably have asked him hey what does that equate to kind of around baseball sure but this isn't about baseball what does that equate to with the best clubs in baseball which the blue jays are hanging around they got to figure that out next year they've got to figure out the depth pitching and if we're only working under the assumption that stripling is going to leave because he wants money or even if you're the camp that is saying you can't pay stripling because he's going to want too much money Blue Jays got to figure this out and they got to figure it out fast because there's nobody in the system. And I don't want to hear about Ricky Tiedemann and his what innings that you're expecting him to pitch in the major league levels next year. I don't want to hear about Nate Pearson. They got to add some depth. They got to figure this out because 15 and 26 or 11, 11 wins from non top five guys. That's real tough. They weren't completely killed with injuries this season. They were relatively healthy at that position. They missed on Kikuchi. That's a, a no-brainer. Mitch White, you're hoping, is better next year. Some people think that he's going to be fine in the long run. It's been a nightmare since he's been here. He doesn't look like a major leaguer. I, I thought he was going to be a bubble guy for, a, for the playoff roster, that it was going to come down to him and Zach Pop. I, I think it's pretty clear that you don't have any use for Mitch White. Like, I don't know what's, what, serve, what he serves you. Anyway, um, it's got to get better. It's got to get better. It's got to get better. And with that, it's time for action, brought to you by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Um, we're going to do a Thursday prop parlay. Um, Pete, sneaky Pete, he's not here today. He snuck out. Um, he's doing sneaky things. He sent in his sneaky pick early, though. He's going to go with what?
1: He's going to go with, um, it was Tyreek kill anytime TD.
0: Yeah, I think he actually sent an explanation as to why. I think it's just basically Eli Apple.
1: That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he said it yesterday, too. He's like, yeah, Tyreek kill revenge Eli Apple. Mm-hmm, and then which is I was also gonna go a Tyreek Hill prop, but then he you know He went Tyreek Sneaky. and I'm like, yeah, he went, fast. I, he went early I know hey, I went listen. I, I love
0: a narrative bet. Okay, but I actually think that this is a good practical one The only thing I would say is I'm going with my guy for my prop pick tonight Jalen Waddle over sixty
1: Seven I believe sixty seven and a half. Yeah
0: over sixty seven and a half receiving yards. I closed that tab Waddle leads him in targets leads him in red zone targets and I don't think that it's just going to be Tyree Kill matching up with Eli Apple all night. I think everybody's going to get an opportunity on Eli Apple. And it, it seems to me like right now Waddle is just as much of a big play threat as Tyree Kill is. I know he's got a bit of the groin thing, so that spooks me a little. But he's been incredibly profitable for me. I've been absolutely loving everything about him. I know that you kind of like Waddle too. What was your Waddle thing? Was it also receiving yards? It was also receiving yards, yeah. Okay, because I can, I, if you want the receiving yards, I also have a, a backup pick.
1: So so do I. Okay. I also yeah. had a backup pick prepared, which was uh, Chase Edmonds anytime TD at plus 170. Okay, He had two last week against Buffalo, mm-hmm. uh, and there's reason to believe that, you know, with Waddle maybe nursing a bit of the groin injury when they get into the red zone, they're not going to risk him taking big contact. So Chase Edmonds was hot last week, and... If he, you know, he kind of proved himself that he can get into the end zone against a good Buffalo defense. Uh, Granted, they were beat up a little bit, but two touchdowns last week. I'm banking on him to get a touchdown this week, plus 170. Uh, But I did like the Jalen Waddle bet Mm because he had over 100 in the last two weeks, each of the last two weeks, and two airs the ball out. Tyreek Hill and Waddle have 659 combined Mm -hmm. receiving yards already. So
0: I'm going to switch. You're switching. Yeah, I'm switching. I'm switching because I'm I'm breaking one of my own prop rules, which is don't take a hurt guy, and I'm just I'm realizing that I'm taking two hurt guys because I'm dependent on Tua, and I'm taking a guy who's got a groin thing. Um,
1: so we have a four pick parlay. Almost. Yeah, but
0: I, you could if you wanted to. But I'm I'm dropping it. I'm going to go with T Higgins over his receiving mm-hmm. total. I
1: like that because
0: Xavier Howard is arguably the best cornerback in football, and he's going to be in an awesome battle with Jamar Chase. I wish it actually wasn't on short rest and there was no kind of excuses for either side, but that's going to open up T for some opportunities. And if you look at his receiving total, he's gone over that in his last two weeks. The only one that he didn't was in the Steelers game. And we all know that that was a pretty wild game burrow with a ton of interceptions and just an ugly week one contest. But his last two weeks, he's gone over his yardage total. And I just think that he's going to end up getting targets. He's going to get his opportunities to see the football, especially with Xavier Howard. Um, I, this, this just feels like the, the more obvious one and not as much of an overthink. And I'm looking even at the yard stores and T Higgins is at 64 and a half, whereas Jalen Waddle is at 67 and a half. part of the reason I don't like this and why I lean towards Waddle in the first place is I think that the dolphins are gonna be trailing in this game, which means that they're gonna have to throw, which is gonna be more opportunities for Waddle. My only fear is that with the groin stuff, even though he is projected to play on a short week, that. You see him go to the sidelines, and that's just the worst feeling. And so I'm, I'm not going to roll with that. Anyways, that was time for action. Brought to you by DraftKings. Oh, breaking news! Th- that was time for action. Brought to you by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. That was our Thursday prop parlay: Tyree kill anytime TD. I already forget yours, Joe. Cause I got holes in my brain. It
1: was Chase Edmonds anytime TD.
0: Okay, so two Dolphins TDs from the boys on the parlay. Yes. Those are the two Dolphins TDs. That's a This is a bold this is a bold parlay all of a sudden. And T Higgins over 64 and a half yards. The breaking news is that Rasmus Sandin has signed. Elliot Friedman knew it. He said it was going to happen. Um, I think he projected right around this. I don't know. It, like, he said it was going to be a two-year deal. That's what it is. Apparently, Sandin heard Sheldon Keefe loud and clear when he said there's a tremendous opportunity here and he decided to get his ass in gear and get on the ice with all the injuries to defensemen, defenseman. So it's, it's, what is it? It's two years.
1: 1.4.
0: 1.4. Sounds like Sandine got a little bit more than, it sounds like yeah, he, he waiting helped. Sandine's a winner. I'm going to talk about this with Luke Fox, but my instant gut reaction to this is, and my gut, I just my stomach just grumbled as I said that. Um, my instant gut reaction is Sandine's the winner here. Because what, he missed like no training camp, like whatever, not negligible amount of training camp time. I'm sure he's in shape. He's going to step on the ice. He can be healthy. And now he's walked into a situation where there's a bunch of injuries. He's going to get more opportunity up the lineup, more ice time. He's on a two-year deal, which he was basically ex- expecting the entire time. And he ends up getting more than what most people projected. Because what did Lilligren get? Somebody looked that up. Because everyone was saying the Lilligren contract, the Lilligren contract. I think he got 1.2. Maybe a little less. Was it one point two? Hit me.
1: Three year, three point nine.
0: He got Lilogren went three years?
1: T- Timothy Logren signed a three year, three point nine million dollar contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs. No. And his cap hits one point four.
0: Huh. Okay, so according to cap friendly. Got the one less year. So pretty much on the money. I still like it for, like for Sandine. Anyways, we'll talk about with Luke Fox and Axe along with what is the fallout of this Tavares injury? Because we're talking about 2C, but who else is making this roster? Who's the buzz guy at camp? And what is going to happen to this blue line that's all beat up? Training can up, update with Luke Fox next. Quick break. All right, gut reaction wrong. Usually you say, trust your gut. And his gut reaction was, this worked out great for Sandine. I thought Lilligren got 1.2. No. Same. Same deal. If anything, it's kind of like a win for Lilligren. He's got to feel better about it. His body doesn't make more. This lower ceiling guy. He's hurt right now. He's getting paid. He's getting workman's comp, essentially. I don't know. So you held out, Sandine was the whole time? I guess, like, you had to try something, but... Yeah, you get the same. You held out. You missed some time. I don't think the fan base was ever really pissed at Sandine though. So it's not like it really cost them anything. I'm sure there's a little bit of valuable time being around teammates, being at camp, playing one preseason game, right? But what is it? What do we really think that's worth? All in all, kind of a wash. Good for Kyle Dubas. Doesn't look like he blinked, which, huh, if you look at the career. It's been a lot of that. Um, Luke Fox, NHL writer for Sports Sunday, me Now, what's up, buddy? How are we doing? How, how'd you react to the, the Sandy news? Is that what you expected?
2: Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what Kyle Dubas was gunning for right from the beginning. It certainly felt like things were getting to a breaking point because, A, the Leafs are just, leading defensemen right now Dude. And, and like it's, it's how are they going to overcome
0: Dalstrom? that's what well,
2: you know but it, it, it's getting kind of ridiculous like <laughs> before uh, before i was walking my dog i was looking up hockey db of, of philip crawl yeah Who would be it would suddenly be the sixth defenseman if rasmus sandin didn't crawling up that. the charts yeah there you go um so there's that but the whole Sandine thing has been, yes, a little bit about money in term, but it's been a lot about role and fit and opportunity. And the more that guys were going to the sidelines, the more it became obvious that there was going to be ice time for this guy. Yeah. So I I think it's in both parties, best interest that they got this done. They got it done before he misses a paycheck. It's basically the same as the Timothy Lilligan deal, which, Um, You know, By all accounts, was on the table Mm -hmm. at the same time. Lilligren's was. There's a small difference. Lilligren's getting 1.4 each year. Sandin is getting 1.2 this year and 1.6 next year. What that means is that his qualifying offer Mm -hmm. as an RFA next time around will be a little bit richer than Lilligren's. Um, And so I think maybe that's where Dubas gave a little bit but mm-hmm.
0: it's not much and yeah. the cap it's the same and the cap it's the same yeah that's that's like you know you lose an argument and like your girlfriend's just like he's like you know, she wants to watch a movie you're like okay we'll watch your movie she's like you can pick the snack and you're like this snack and she's like no not that one but like maybe a different and you're like oh can i just have my own snack she's like yeah sure i guess that, that's what he got <laughs> like nothing <laughs> he got nothing that's that's garbage. That's, yeah. That's, I imagine being Sandine's agent go like, don't worry, man. Got you a little bit higher qualifying offer." He's like, we did it. <laughs> you know, like, we did it. But you know what? It was all worth for what it.
2: Yeah. For what he's done, sure. honestly, 1.4 is a fair, is a completely fair number. Yeah, it is. Like, I'm you, just saying it was a number all along. Comparables, yeah, but if you look comparables around the league, I, I don't think, you know, Kyle Biggis was a big winner. I, I think it's a fair contract for a guy who has plenty of potential but hasn't proven that much yet.
0: Dude, I'm judging this on Dubas contract scale, which is that he loses them all. Like he gets, he blinks first. And it's funny because like the one he celebrated for is one of the ones he lost the most, which is William Nylander. The, uh, The contract turned out to be great because of cap jump and compare But at the time he still let him sit out half of a season. The Leafs never really looked the same with him there. He wasn't quite the same player and they went above the number that they wanted to go to. Like, we can play retroactive and look at contracts like a couple of years later, how they pan out. But no, like it's usually been a blink. So at least he held firm on the number and didn't really change anything and didn't, you know, bend the knee to a guy that they actually ended up kind of needing because of those injuries that you mentioned. So looking at it right now, um, Jake Muzzin back, whatever, not looking super hot to start the year. They lose Jordy Ben, who... I keep feeling like they want to have a role for Jordy Ben because they've wanted to have a role for guys like Jordy Ben the last couple of seasons. So him being out of the mix, that hurts them. They've got the Timothy Lilligren thing where he's got a hernia. Who knows when he's coming back? How, how do you think the blue line is going to shape up immediately? Like what, what does Sandine get to start? Where does he go?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think he might even have a shot at the, the top four as long as uh, Muzzin's Working his way back from uh, back soreness. You know, yesterday he didn't participate in the full practice. Later, Keith said, Well, he he could have, but we don't want to push it. Um, They're being extra cautious with this guy. But he only played 47 games out of 82 last year, and he's another year older. He has a concussion history, he has a groin history, and now he has a, a back problem. So these are all things that can be re aggravated. So, I, I think there will be times this season where Sandine gets into the top four. I think if Buzzin yeah. is healthy and clicking and, and ready to go, then Sandine's a the third pairing guy. Uh, and, but, you know, there, there's going to be times where he gets into the top four and probably runs the, the second power play unit. Um, you know, they were already hinting that. They would use Victor Mete in, in that role mm-hmm. if uh, if Sandine continued uh, this contract dispute. So, I mean, this I is, did this like is, that
0: threat. I liked that yeah. threat.
2: Well, I mean, that's what you got to do. That's right? like,
0: JD, we're, if you don't take this contract, we're going to replace your show with an intern. And I'm like, well, we'll see. <laughs> you know, I'll see how that goes down.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. I hope Victor Mete doesn't listen to your show.
0: <laughs> he came on and it was not good. So I don't care. Oh, okay. Okay.
2: Uh, yeah, I just I, I think there's opportunity there, and he's got to seize it. Like the other thing is, these guys have been like having very intense practices. Like it has felt like a lot. The other day, Keith even stopped the drill and, and mm-hmm. chewed them out and made them skate laps. Like most of the practices are like an hour and a half to two hours. Uh, you know, each group, very little downtime so far in camp. It, it's been an intense camp. And Sandin's been across the pond working out, I'm sure, but I don't know if it's to the level that the rest of the team's at. So it's going to be interesting. Apparently he's supposed to get in Friday. Uh, I don't know if, if – so I doubt he'll play that game tomorrow, but maybe he'll be in the next game. He'll certainly be in the, in the small group next week. There's going to be a big cut before the, the team goes off to Gravenhurst for camp. But So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how in sync he is, how up to speed he is. Um, you know, like you mentioned with, with Nylander, like he missed camp and, and missed some games and he never really got back on track. Um, so that, that'll that be something to watch for is, is just ha- how uh, smoothly he comes in here. 100%. The, the, the ice time is there for him.
0: Yeah, the ice time is there. He'll clearly get some opportunities. If I'm him, I, I, there's always been the, hey, he can play the right side thing. But we saw that with Travis Dermott. And my hope is if I'm him, that I don't end up being Dermot 2.0. You know, somebody who, uh, similar draft, similar-ish pedigree at times and viewpoint within the organization, never really got to have that comfortable fit either which way, never really felt like the leash was too long for the player. If I was him, I wouldn't love the idea of just being put on my right side when I only have two years to make a bunch of money here. Um, I'd want to be in a more comfortable position, have something a little bit more set. Maybe he can carve that out for himself. But yeah, by being away from camp, it's not like he improved his odds. We can say that he didn't really hurt them. But yeah, to me, there's not any ire from the fan base towards Sandine. Everyone's going to be happy about this deal because it's what everyone expected. And again, I do think that this fan base looks at those contracts now as a win when someone comes in as expected. But... Yeah, if he struggles and he can't maintain that spot, and if they need to rely on him because certain guys like Muzzin aren't in the lineup and he's supposed to be projected as a top-four guy and he can't fill those boots, I I think you're going to start to see people turn on him pretty quick.
2: Yeah, I I could see that. But, I mean, this got done early enough in camp that I think people will have a short memory. And the second he, you know, scores a nice goal, lays out a big hit, I, I, I think people will be on board. I mean, there's very few guys... At you know, cap-friendly numbers still before their prime. Like mm-hmm. the fan base loves hope, and there's still hope for Sandine. Eventually, it dried up with Dermot. But the difference I see is is two things. One, Sandine is going to get power play time. Mm-hmm. Dermot was an offensive defenseman that never really got a chance to run a, a power play unit, even the second one. Right? I remember John one Dermical. Dermot goal. Yeah. Uh, so there's that, and the other thing is. Sandin is physical. He's way more physical than Dermott was. Uh, you know, he's not a huge guy, but he's he's kind of fearless that way and likes to throw the body and likes to engage uh, in the physical elements of the game. So I think that will serve him well. I think that appeals to Keith, too. Dermot had a hard time earning the coach's trust, whereas I think... Keith is a little bit higher on Sandy and and he's He's going to give him opportunity. Now it's up to the kid to to make good with it.
0: Okay. So speaking of Keith and you already referenced the, he stops practice. He wants more intensity. He wants more effort. And then what's like 20 seconds later or something. he just stops it again and gets them to do sprints. Um, one of the things I, I really wanted to focus in on today is just sort of the energy that's around camp right now, because you guys are allowed back in the rooms, you know, reporters are back, you're around the team again, and the stakes feel astronomically high this year, right? We're walking into it with last year, every, everybody always goes, well, every year it feels that way with the Leafs for sure. But you have a general manager who doesn't have a contract extension. You have a head coach who a lot of people thought could end up um, getting the ax last year, Um You have a roster that's thinned out, that's really looking paper thin right now with a couple of injuries. Where you start to look at guys like, sorry, who is going to potentially be playing on the top line? What is is this kind of the day to day right now? Is that a one off? Because the the word on Sheldon Keefe is he's not that kind
2: of guy. Sorry, which kind of guy? The guy that gets that stops
0: practices? No, that stops practices and gets guys to do wind sprints. Like that's a pretty old school type of move.
2: Yeah, that that um, that's never happened before. Mitch Marner said. Uh, you know, we talked to them afterwards, and Martin Riley downplayed it and kind of said, you know, this this happens in the NHL, and it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to make too big of a deal about, you know, him blowing up, but I will say amongst the veterans, there is a feeling of let's just get to the real action. Uh, you know, Alexander Kirkwood had a good line, and, and I love the honesty because sometimes you talk to guys and they say, you know well team camp's really important you got to get up to speed the beginning of the regular season is really important Alexander Kerfoot said the regular season doesn't mean anything right he's like it's all about what you do in the playoffs and I and I love that honesty I found it very refreshing because that's where this team is at at least with the core yeah there's you know there's some fun side storylines about you know what what side is Sandy going to play and what are the pairs going to be and and can Sam Sonoff challenge Murray for the starting role Mm -hmm. and is Zach Aston Reese you know going to earn a contract from this tryout like those are all interesting stories but they're all on the fringe it it really matters what this team does in the playoffs and there is a sense um, with the energy around camp is kind of like let's just get through this. Mm-hmm. You know, but this is a good. I think team. the fan like, base
0: shares that sentiment.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I think that everyone
0: yeah. shares that sentiment. So we're all uh, in symbaticle on that.
2: Yeah, but but don't forget, like this is a really good team. They can be they can be not at you know clicking in on all cylinders, and mm-hmm. still like like an eighty percent effort leaf team. I think could cruise through and, and get into the postseason. And yeah. there is so much talent, like there was so much talent like last night, you know, they're, they're playing Montreal and it's, and it's half an AHL roster and the game doesn't mean anything, but they throw two forwards on defense and still make it look easy. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, this is a, a team rich with talent, uh, but there, there's a lack. I find there is a bit of a lack of energy or, or buzz around camp. And, and part of that, it maybe is the media's fault too, because, we're not seeing that many new faces outside of, of the goalies. Mm. Um, and one of them doesn't know English very well. And the other one is, is very straightforward and, and focused. Mm-hmm. And he's not, he's not the Jack Campbell personality. Yeah. So, uh, there hasn't been a lot of spice at camp so far.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't think that there's been a ton of demand from the fan base, to be honest. Like, this time of year, I get the odd tweet, hey, more Leafs or "When's more. Yeah, the odd comment about it. But still right now, conversations I have with friends going out to, like last night, I tried to, I put a bunch of the Leafs preseason game on. I had it on a second screen, you know, I was pausing stuff, watching the goals and watching a couple plays and rewinding some Matt Murray moments, whatever. Just a few tiny little things, turning up the volume to hear what the injuries were when guys left the game. But I don't, I don't get the sense from years past where people are just so excited for a leaf season. I I think that it's funny because last year, I remember everyone going, we have to just get to the playoffs. We have to get to the playoffs. This is a whole other level. This is beyond even where the Raptors were when they had regular seasons with DeMar and Kyle, where it was like the run it back over and over and over again. Like right before Kawhi Leonard, that was the kind of similar energy that I feel right now with the Leafs, which is fans just go, give me the time machine um, nothing in this regular season is going to matter, but okay. So the buzz around camp kind of quiet, get it buzz from media, kind of quiet, tough to cover some of these guys. The Tavares thing is big news. And and that I think really put the emphasis on, okay, where's the depth because center is a position where they don't have a ton of it. And now, you know, Alex Kerfoot, I do like that Kerfoot saying the regular season doesn't matter, you know, whatever it is, I'm like. You're in a contract year. You should, because you, know, you put some stats together on that second line. Uh, I don't want to be a general manager. Yeah, hey, you said that these things don't matter. Uh, so why should we pay you for them? So it looks like he's going to get the first crack at 2C, right? And yeah. do they put Yarncroc beside them and go with it safe? Or do they want to balance this thing out? Because it kind of feels like, from my vantage point, that the buzzy guy at camp right now is little old Dennis Malgin.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm starting, to be, slowly I'm starting to be a believer that he might actually make the cut. Like when they first brought him back, uh, I thought, okay, this, this guy's going to be a Marley, but with the injuries piling up and with Malgan, quite honestly, showing very well in the preseason games again, you know, the competition hasn't been that tough, but yeah, you know, this is, this is your audition. This is the only stage you have to show what you can do. And he's finishing plays. He's making plays. Uh, you know, Keith made a point of saying the difference between Malkin this time around as opposed to last time he was released is suddenly he has more of a conscious uh, defensively and he's been a hound at, at trying to get pucks back and that's a good way to earn a job because coaches notice that stuff and if you're going to play up, um, higher up in the lineup especially you have to be defensively responsible and you have to finish off plays. When this team is healthy they don't want Yarn Croak on the second line but He's a guy that the coach trusts. So that would be kind of the, the safe and, and easy thing, I think, for the coaching staff to do is put croak up. Uh, but I think they want a guy to pop. And they think they were hoping that it would be Godet. He got hurt in his first preseason mm-hmm. game. We haven't seen him on the ice since. Uh, you know, injuries stink, right? And yeah, tough break and for him. That, That's a tough break for him. So someone's got to take it. Is it Malgin? So far, it looks like it could be. Is it Robertson? Maybe he had a nice goal last yeah. night. Uh, you know, Keith is, is starting to warm up to this kid. The thing that doesn't work in Robertson's favor is that he doesn't require waivers to yep. go down to the AHL when they need to make cuts. So he kind of seems like first man up from the from the minors, and that isn't because he isn't giving maximum effort or isn't performing well i mean you know that that's a, it, it, that was big for him to score a goal last night i had a long talk with him after morning skate yesterday because mm-hmm. we we're actually allowed back in the room which is great and uh he, he was telling me that this right now it's not even physical he's like this is my third camp it's like the mental battle of trying to um stay engaged and not get discouraged when i get put on an ahl line as opposed to one of those prime, you know, top six lines is really tough. The mental st- side is, is getting to him. And that's the big challenge for him. But he's like, I just have to prove it. He's a very determined kid. So he's a candidate for sure. I just wonder if uh, the salary cap rules and the fact that he can clear waivers easy works against him.
0: Yeah, it probably does. Yeah. And I, I think what you just said there is the actual hardest thing to deal with if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs player is when you're young and you have expectation And you don't meet it right away. And Mm -hmm. people waiting, and all of a sudden you're a household name where in just about any other market in the NHL, you think they would know who Nick Robertson is? Like, you think that a Panther fan would know who Nick Robertson is if he's, like, or the equivalent on their team? Hell no. No chance. Here he is a household name. He scores last night, and people, everybody knows. You know, everybody in the city knows Nick Robertson had a preseason goal. (laughs) Like, that's that's how it operates here.
2: Part of that, J.D., is because they've pillaged their prospect pool of course that like that part of it is because oh man there's, like beyond nick robertson there's not much right and especially when it comes to guys that were picked in the in the first or second round that, that that's part of the hype around Sandine. yeah because they, they've spent so many high draft picks on rentals that the ones that they've kept the fan base focuses on and and has such high hopes for like you want those guys to pan out so that's part of it too
0: yeah well Luke and this is something I bring up all the time which is part of the own rental thing that hits you too is that you're never bringing anything back for those guys you're never replenishing the cupboards with anything and yeah even there I remember specifically the the Tyson Berry year right where um or right, we should call it the David Ayers year. They, they're they thinking about shopping Tyson Barry and they decide not to move him for a second. They go, yeah, whatever, we're just going to keep rolling in the playoffs. And you can look at that as, well, it was trying to make the best team possible, but they knew they weren't bringing Barry back and they knew that he wasn't really helping the team and that he was a total miss. And instead of salvaging for part of an asset, you decide to turn it into an own rental because it doesn't meet the first round price and it bites you in the ass. And that's what you're seeing here is a group where, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't be getting excited about Adam Gaudet and about... Um, Pontus Holmberg and about a couple of Finnish guys that look like they're at least a year or two away. They they are prospect thin. And if there's one thing that uh, I've been told by everybody that covers these prospects is that none of these Leafs guys that are coming up are, you know, the skating is tough on a lot of them. And that there's no guy. Even Matthew Nyes might be getting a little bit too much hype out of the gate here. We'll see. But I, I, like, look what happened with Robertson. You got to pump the brakes with some of these guys. They're they're certainly not rich with people that can come up and help a roster right away when that's exactly what they need. Young guys who are on the cheap who can help that roster. And that's why I'm so curious about Robertson and what his actual chances are here, right? Because if they don't open the season with Engvall and Tavares, that's two open spots for forwards. I think that you know we're we're putting certain guys down in pen now that maybe would have been in pencil. But, yeah, for a guy like him, I do wonder if it causes a reevaluation of, you know, who we're putting on the third line if a Crock moves up, right? Like, what the dynamics of different lines look like just to start the year until they can get those guys healthy.
2: Well, for me, it's tricky because I don't see Nick Robertson thriving in, uh, like, a fourth-line Yeah, role. no one does. And that's what's available. So it's like, can you just jump – and sees that that scoring role on the second mm-hmm. line. I mean, you're a left winger. The left wing spot's open. It, and hey, you know what? There's still a ways to go in camp. There could be more injuries. Uh, Nick Robinson could um, elevate his game a little bit. Like this is his time to to kind of prove it. And and you know, I, I'd like to see it because I know I know how bad he wants it, um, and I know how much energy and effort he's put into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just it just hasn't happened. And the thing is, he's still he's still young. Like it, it feels it feels like I know it's been a while because he appeared in in the bubble and scored that that goal against Columbus, which now feels like ages and ages ago. Uh, but he was a teenager when he did that. Like he's he's still very young. There's still better days ahead for this kid.
0: Hundred percent. Um, Luke Fox, you've been killing it down at camp. Uh, your must read every single day. Follow Luke on Twitter at Luke Fox Jukebox. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks for coming on today.
2: Yeah, congrats on the new show, bud.
0: Thanks, pal. I appreciate it. Uh, so far, mediocre, but I appreciate it anyways. Um, subscribe to this podcast. Leave five stars. If you don't think it's mediocre, you can send me a message anytime at JD Bunkus, Twitter or on Instagram. But yeah, the show gets by based on podcast subscriptions and downloads. So share it with a friend. Tell people about it. Retweet it. Do all those nice things.